What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Baseball Connection. So we have a lot to discuss today. The final big domino has fallen. The last big domino has fallen. Dansby Swanson was the last big free agent on the market. He's agreed to a seven-year, $177 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. He got his bag. He's being paid handsomely as one of the top free agents on the market, free agent shortstops to be specific. It was a big four, Correa, Bogarts, Turner, Swanson. I would put the first three guys in a tier and then Swanson in a tier below, but he definitely benefited from the fact that this was a strong shortstop class. You know, as they say, a rising tide lifts all boats. That's what we saw here with Dansby Swanson. He waited to the end when the dust settled with everyone else getting you know, 280, 300, $350 million like those other three guys. He's not on the same level as them, but he got $177 million over seven years. Not bad. Not bad for a guy with a very light bat over his career. Yes, his barrel rate has increased in the past few years, suggesting that he's become a better hitter and his 2022 numbers might be sticky. But he's still a guy who only has a 95 OPS plus. He's been a below average hitter for his career as a whole. But moving forward, considering the fact that he's 28, Henry's prime right now. He had a great year at the perfect time. His contract season had the best season of his career, and he's now cashing in with $177 million. This is the second biggest free agent deal in Cubs history, second only to Jason Hayward's eight-year 184 deal from the 2015 to 2016 offseason. We all know that didn't work out very well when it was all said and done. Hayward fell off quite a bit towards the end of that. Hopefully, the Dansby-Swanson deal ends up playing out a lot better than Jason Hayward's did, if we're being honest. But at least, you know, with Swanson, even though his bat isn't, you know, he's not playing a corner spot. thing with Hayward, he's, he was playing right field. That's a corner spot and you need to hit to justify your value there. But when you're a shortstop, your glove can carry you much of the way. It really can. And that's what is probably going to happen with Dansby-Swanson talking about an elite defender and that's going to be his carrying card for 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 most of this contract unless he proves us all wrong there have been shortstops you've seen flip the switch and just become a really good hitter you see it with Willie Adamas in Milwaukee he's all of a sudden become this feared hitter and when he was at Tampa Bay he couldn't stop striking out so it's possible that Swanson has flipped the switch and he becomes because remember this is someone who's the number one overall pick so with that kind of pedigree Yes, you know, that was years ago. That was seven years ago. But it matters because it tells you that that's his pedigree, that the scouts saw something in him at that time. And he was always projected to become an elite player. So if he's moving in that direction, it just means that he's living up to the expectations that were set on him. He's living up to the tools that he showed in college. It's the full skill set that made him a number one overall pick is still there. And now he's coming into his own. So that's definitely something... In his favor. So the numbers and the metrics and, you know, the overall pedigree point to Dansby Swanson continuing to improve. It point to him. They point to him continuing to hit for power like he did in 2021 and just barrel the ball a lot better like he did in 2022. He's 27 homers in 2021, by the way. That's his career high. So he does have some pop in that bat. So with Dansby Swanson, he's going to be the Cubs shortstop. Nico Horner will move over to second base. That's going to be the middle infield 
tandem. So the Cubs aren't ready to, I wouldn't say they're ready to contend yet, but you know, they're adding to their payroll right now. They just lost Wilson Contreras, who went over to St. Louis. That's, you know, that, that's a blow. But they're gonna they're gonna have to rebuild. I mean, you have Swanson in tow for the next seven years. You'll go ahead and find other pieces to build around. That's that's just the that's just the reality of the situation. So shout out to Dansby Swanson, headed to the Chicago Cubs. In other news, the Dodgers have agreed to sign J.D. Martinez to a one-year deal worth $10 million. So this hasn't really been a big signing. There wasn't really much public buzz about J.D. Martinez's trip through free agency. But, you know, he was a free agent. He's going to end up in Los Angeles reunited with a few familiar faces, including Mookie Betts. So you're going to see those two reunited. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, I'm looking at the Red Sox right now, and a lot of people... With the criticisms of Boston, there's a picture from the All-Star game this year, which was in L.A. There's a picture of a bunch of Red Sox, current and former, or at least at the time, from the 2018 championship team. It was five of them. It was Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Andrew Benintendi, and Mookie Betts taking a picture at the All-Star game together. All five of those guys were on the 2018 World Series roster. All played a huge part in that championship. Well, four of the five, four out of the five of those guys are gone now. The only remaining player there is Rafael Devers. Will the Red Sox extend him? It's been reported that they are working hard to do so, but a lot of Red Sox fans are very disgruntled right now, thinking that the team hasn't done a good job in retaining talent. But if we try to take the emotion out of it, you look at it objectively, maybe they're just thinking like, hey, we don't believe in paying aging players, which is what would have happened. You know, the cost to retain Mookie Betts was 12 years. That's what the Dodgers ended up giving him. You know, the, the jury's still out until as to whether or not that was a good deal. Maybe they felt like, hey, you know, we don't want to pay this guy into his late 30s. It's the same thing with, well, obviously, J.D. Martinez. That makes sense. He's already, you know, he, 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 he bit his time. He stayed through Boston this year and he was good. But, um, Bogarts is the one I think that hurts because I think with Bogarts, you could have given him a shorter term deal for a really high AAV. I don't see any anything wrong. See, I said this a couple days ago. You don't have to give him an 11 year deal at age 30. You give him a six year deal. I think six years to 10 would have done the done the job. That's 35 million a year. But hey, I'm not going to dwell on it too much. I just think that Chaim Bloom has been given a directive to run this team like he ran the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, they have a massive payroll, but they're not going to, they're not going to, uh, re-sign fan favorites. They've shown that multiple occasions. They're going to re-sign guys who they believe will help them in the near and long term. Rafael Devers, considering he's, I think he's 26 now, this is the perfect time to extend him. He's 26 years old. You can give him, you can give him a 10. 12-year deal, and get that done. So we'll see. Keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that and see what High and Bloom does. And you definitely can't excuse losses at some point. You know, you don't want it to be that your team, maybe they're like, oh, we don't need to win 95 games. We only need to get into the playoffs. Maybe we only need to win 87 games or something like that. But that's, to me, when you're in the AL East, that is operating too close for comfort. So I don't know if uh, if, if that's necessarily what High and Bloom is, is trying to do. 
But I'm, I digress. I'm not going to go too far on a tangent about this. In other news, the Twins have signed Joey Gallo to a one-year deal. One year, $11 million. The two-time All-Star is represented by the Boris Corporation. So, Joey Gallo is 29, and he's occasionally been one of the most fearsome sluggers in the league, but he is coming off a rough stretch. You know, with the Rangers from 2017 to 2019, he was the poster boy for a 3-2 true outcome, the home run, strikeout, or a walk. And in that three-year stretch, he struck out in 37% of his plate appearances, and the league average was 22%. So this dude was just, yeah, was whiffing a lot. And he, he was walking a lot too, 14% walk rate, and the league average was 8.5%. So if you look at his time with the Rangers, though, when you put it all together, his production was 20% above league average because he had a 120 weighted runs created plus. But since then, things haven't been quite as smooth. In the pandemic-shortened season, had an 86 weighted runs created plus. Then he was traded to the Yankees, and and it was just dismal, absolutely dismal. Had an 82 weighted runs created plus this year before the Yankees flipped into the Dodgers at the deadline, and with the Dodgers had a 91 weighted runs created plus. So he's getting a one-year prove-it deal with the Twins. They're just saying, okay, it's one year, whatever. Hopefully he can bounce back. He should slot into one of the corner outfield spots with Byron Buxton in center. But this really only adds to a cluttered outfield mix because the Twins does the Twins do have many options on their roster. They are getting trade interest in Max Kepler, but they also have Trevor Larnick, Alex Kirloff, Kyle Garlick, Royce Lewis, Nick Gordon, and a bunch of other guys who have seen major league time. These guys in their outfield mix. But we'll see. It's gonna be crowded, and with Gallo in the mix, it's now more likely that they will trade Kepler or somebody else. So they'll probably head into spring training with a smaller group of guys. You can't bring this many guys into spring training with outfield. The roster isn't big enough. So they'll, they'll probably do that between now and then. In other news, the White Sox have signed Andrew Benintendi to a five-year, $75 million contract. So Benintendi was, you know, we, we know who he is, obviously. He's 28. He was the number seven overall pick in the 2015 draft. Came up with the Red Sox, runner-up. As a rookie of the year to Aaron Judge in 2017. Great stuff. Won the World Series with them in 2018. Made, made huge plays, made huge diving catch to help them win the ALCS. He was a huge part of the championship team. The thing is, with Ben and Tenney, what happened with him, and Alex Cora talked about this in an interview, was that he got a lot slower and bulkier. His swing got stiff. What happened was the Red Sox told him not to get too bulky in the weight room. But he did. And that did not go well for him on the field. You could see his swing got slower. His foot speed got slower. I mean, if you look at his numbers on Baseball Savant, Savant StatCast, he broke into the major leagues as an 87th percentile sprint speed guy. And it just got slower every year. Every year. Now he's down to the 53rd percentile sprint speed. Like, what is that? Like, like what even is that? Let's take out the pandemic short in 2020, right? It's literally gone on every year. We're from 87th percentile in 2016 to 81st percentile in 2017, 65th percentile in 2018, 54th percentile in 2019, 63rd percentile, a little bit in 2021, bit of a jump back up, but then back down to 53rd percentile in 2022. For an outfielder who came up as a speedster, like, what is that? What is that? Well, so this is part of the reason why he struggled in Boston, but now he's no longer that same player he was in Boston, right? 
He's a contact guy. That's his calling card. He makes contact, hits for a high average. That's what he does. Obviously, it's a value because the White Sox are willing to pay $75 million for that skill set. So he's always been tough to strike out, but never more so than 2022. He only struck out in 14.8% of his plate appearances. So it's possible that he's taken a more conservative and contact-oriented approach that's resulted in him hitting fewer homers because you know he doesn't have as much power or something. I don't know. But his power hasn't really been there. And he's, he's become a contact hitter. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to be a table setter at the top of the White Sox lineup, hitting near the top. And also, this is going to help Eloy Jimenez move into a full-time DH role. Andrew Vaughn will move from right field to first base. So, because they just lost Jose Abreu, he went to Houston. So this is going to improve the White Sox outfield defense, not because they're adding Benintendi, but because Jimenez and Vaughn don't have to play outfield anymore. That's going to, replacing those guys with replacement level Defenders will improve your outfield defense significantly. So that's what we're seeing in White, in White Sox camp right now. So Andrew Benintendi, five years, $75 million with the Chicago White Sox. So that is the other deal to announce. So that's going to do for today, folks. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone who would be interested. And we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.